0: Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses, so any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks, and enjoy the
1: show. Chapter 11. The Hound in the Red Jersey. Part 4. When they were rested enough to sit up and look around them, Bobby cried, Oh, look! What at? said Phyllis. The view! said Bobby. I hate views, said Phyllis. Don't you, Peter? Let's get on, said Peter. But this isn't like a view they take you to in carriages when you're at the seaside, all sea and sand and bare hills. It's like the colored counties in one of Mother's poetry books. It's not so dusty, said Peter. Look at the aqueduct straddling slap across the valley like a giant centipede. And then the towns sticking their church spires up out of the trees like pens out of an inkstand. I think it's more like there could he see the banners of twelve fair cities shine. I love it, said Bobby. It's worth the climb. The paper chase is worth the climb, said Phyllis. If we don't lose it, let's get on. It's all downhill now. I said that ten minutes ago, said Peter. Well, I've said it now, said Phyllis. Come on. Loads of time, said Peter. And there was, for when they had got down to a level with the top of the tunnel's mouth, they were a couple of hundred yards out of their reckoning and had to creep along the face of the hill. There was still no sign of the hare or the hounds. They've gone long ago, of course, said Phyllis, as they leaned on the brick parapet above the tunnel. I don't think so, said Bobby, but even if they had, it's ripping here and we shall see the trains come out of the tunnel like dragons out of lairs. We've never seen that from the top side before. No more we have, said Phyllis, partially appeased. It was really a most exciting place to be in. The top of the tunnel seemed ever so much farther from the line than they had expected. It was like being on a bridge, but a bridge overgrown with bushes and creepers and grass and wildflowers. I know the paper chase has gone long ago, said Phyllis every two minutes, and she hardly knew whether she was pleased or disappointed when Peter, "'Leaning over the parapet, suddenly cried, "'Look out! Here he comes!' "'They all leaned over the sun-warmed brick wall "'in time to see the hare, going very slowly, "'come out from the shadow of the tunnel. "'There, now,' said Peter. "'What did I tell you? Now for the hounds!' "'Very soon came the hounds, "'by ones and twos and threes and sixes and sevens, "'and they also were going very slowly and seemed very tired. Two or three who lagged far behind came out long after the others.' There, said Bobby, that's all. Now what shall we do? Go along into the tulgey wood over there and have lunch, said Phyllis. We can see them for miles up here. Not yet, said Peter. That's not the last. There's the one in the red jersey to come yet. Let's see the last of them come out. But though they waited and waited and waited, the boy in the red jersey did not appear. Oh, let's have lunch, said Phyllis. I've got a pain in my front with being so hungry— You must have missed seeing the red-jerseyed one when he came out with the others. But Bobby and Peter agreed that he had not come out with the others. Let's get down to the tunnel, Mouth, said Peter. Then perhaps we shall see him coming along from the inside. I expect he felt spun check and rested in one of the manholes. You stay up here and watch, Bob, and when I signal from below, you come down. We might miss seeing him on the way down with all these trees. So the others climbed down, and Bobby waited till they signaled to her from the line below. And then she, too, scrambled down the roundabout slippery path among roots and moss, till she stepped out between two dogwood trees and joined the others on the line. And still there was no sign of the hound in the red jersey. Oh, do, do, let's have something to eat. Wailed Phyllis, I shall die if you don't, and then you'll be sorry. Give her the sandwiches, for goodness sake, and stop her silly mouth, said Peter, not quite unkindly. Look here, he added, turning to Bobby. Perhaps we'd better have one each, too. We may need all our strength. No more than one, though. There's no time. What? asked Bobby, her mouth already full, for she was just as hungry as Phyllis. Don't you see, replied Peter impressively, that red-jerseyed hound had an accident, that's what it is. Perhaps even as we speak, he's lying with his head on the medals, an unresisting prey to any passing express. Oh, don't try to talk like a book, cried Bobby, bolting what was left of her sandwich. Come on. Phil, keep close behind me, and if a train comes, stand flat against the tunnel wall and hold your petticoats close to you. Give me one more sandwich, pleaded Phyllis, and I will. I'm going first, said Peter. It was my idea. And he went. Of course you know what going into a tunnel is like. The engine gives a scream, and then suddenly the noise of the running, rattling train changes and grows different and much louder. Grown-up people pull up the windows and hold them by the strap. The railway carriage suddenly grows like night, with lamps, of course, unless you are in a slow local train, in which case lamps are not always provided. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out
0: on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family.